Blog Talk Radio. The funeral is about to begin. The calling hours. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Sean Burkett and Ryan Stacy. Sean directed uh, the movies Bludgeon and A Sleepless Soul, and Ryan has directed Midsummer's Nightmares 1 2. And Kissy Duncan is supposed to be joining us also, and uh, that interview will take place about 8.45 this evening. But in the meantime, we're gonna, I'm going to introduce you guys to Mac so that you know. Mac is a fellow writer at Horror Society. Um, he's from West Virginia. Um, he has recently started a new column, and, and I really think that his new column is going to be something that's really successful. Uh, Mac, why don't you tell everyone uh, the name of your column and what you're going to be doing with it? Well, the column's uh, called Black Tooth Trailer Trash. Um, I'm always uh, looking at YouTube videos, trailers, and such, and I thought it would be a great idea to make a column where I discuss different ones, kind of tie them together with various themes. One I actually wrote today was one with pro wrestlers, switched over to actors, and I showed those horror trailers for that. Pretty excited for it. <laughs> I like the concept. I, I really like the first one you did as well. Um, what kind of inspired you to, you know, to to pick that as as a topic of discussion? What is it about film trailers, especially horror trailers, that that made this your focus? I really like the uh, the trailer compilations for Grindhouse movies. 
I love oh, those yeah. DVDs you can buy. And so I start thinking about maybe tying that into Horror Society and showing those horror trailers, maybe just some movies some people didn't even know existed. Okay. Now to let the um everyone at home know too, now you've um have you done it have you been in any films? Have you done any acting or, or the production end? I have not, but I'm actually about to stay an Indiegogo campaign to uh, fund a movie that I'm actually wanting to direct in the spring or fall. And Sean and Ryan will actually both be helping me out with that as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, we have a couple news items this evening. And um, the first one we'll talk about is The Walking Dead has officially announced a spinoff series. And um, this one comes from BloodyDisgusting.com. But um, what they're basically saying here is um, Robert Kirkman and executive producers Gail Ann Hurd and Dave Alpert um, would be coming from them. Um, let's see. Um, there was a press release um, from Charlie Collier, AMC's president and general manager, and uh, he's quoted as saying, uh, "Building on the success of the most of one of the most popular shows on television for adults, 18 to 49, is literally a no-brainer. We look forward to working with Robert, Gail, and Dave again as we develop an entirely new story and cast of characters. It's a big world, and we can't wait to give our fans another unforgettable view of the zombie apocalypse." And you know, Kurtman's on the record as saying, after 10 years of writing a comic book. And uh, being so close to the debut of the fourth season, it you know, in his opinion, the best season of the series, he's excited about a chance to create a new corner of the Walking Dead universe. Um, now, I'm a big fan of the Walking Dead. I mean, I watch it. I've read the comics. Um, how, do, how, do you, how do you feel about them basically doing the same thing over with different characters? I mean, how much do you feel there, there is with that? My honest opinion is the show's kind of dying. I think trying to jumpstart it back. That's that's just how I feel. The show, I just it, it bores me now. I love comics. I read them religiously. I could probably quote them better than what most preachers can quote the Bible. But the show's just really boring to me now. Season one and two was amazing, and then it just started going downhill. Now, one and of course this is rumor. You know, I'm not quoting anyone on this. This didn't come from an official source. But um, a lot of the rumors that uh, a lot of the fans are talking about online, what if the series focused on the governor? I could probably dig that a lot more, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, he's, he's, it would definitely give the, the series a different spin. Yeah, you know, I don't know he, how far. His characters are very in-depth, that character. But I could see it actually going somewhere. You know, the question is, is would AMC want to basically run a show with a masochist who likes to keep severed heads in his office as a as a focal character? But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting because the zombie culture keeps growing and growing. It, you know, it's getting more and more into the mainstream. You know, it, it's nice with AMC and The Walking Dead and, and everything they've brought and how – you know, they haven't shied away from it. You know, you know you're watching the zombie apocalypse there. But it would be interesting to see, you know, basically we've seen man as the monster the entire time in this series. 
you know, if the series centers on the governor, you know, are we going to watch the governor go around finding pockets of survivors and, and killing them? You know, will he try to rebuild? Because, you know, the governor going on this far is definitely past anything that was done in the comic book series. Wouldn't you agree? I definitely agree, yeah. But I think it would also – I think if they did the spinoff with the governor, it would make him the, the baddie instead of the zombies. Right. I think it would compl- you completely forget about the zombies with the governor. I mean, which is an interesting concept, you know. I mean, you know, and they've hinted at the moral, the moral th- implication in the series. You know, who's more of a monster, the zombies or man? I mean, it's an interesting aspect to think about, to say the least. I mean, they're not. They're saying probably not till 2014 is when they're looking uh, for that series to have any kind of traction when we're going to see anything from it. So we'll have to wait and see, and we'll just go from there, I guess. Now, uh, the next one is a little bit of casting news. Um, for those of you that are wrestling fans like I am, we all know that Kane, uh, a.k.a. Glenn Jacobs, is away to go shoot See No Evil 2, which is being directed by the Suska twins, Jen and Sylvia, from um, American Mary. But the bit of casting news is we are getting uh, Danielle Harris, you know, from Hatchet, Hatchet Hatchet 2, Hatchet 3, Rob Zombie's Halloween and its sequel, and Catherine Isabel from American Mary, Ginger Snaps, and Freddy vs. Jason. So they're, looks like they're upping the star power a little bit for this film. Um, it was the highest-grossing WWE film in its franchise up until the call recently with Holly Berry. You know, I w- I'm not ashamed to admit it. I went and saw See No Evil in the theaters, and I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't expect, you know, go in expecting some great artistic masterpiece. We got Kane, who at the time was, you know, a tremendous villain in, in then the WWF, you know, just wrecking people, and you know they played that, played up that when he came back from filming the movie. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the original uh, Mac, and what do you think about the Soska twins directing it, and what do you think about the addition of the names? As for the original, I, I liked it. It was just a mindless movie. That's all it was. You just went in, shut your mind off, and watched it. It was fun. It was nothing original or clever, but it was still fun. Um, oh, yeah, the, he definitely played the role of monster very well. Yeah, he'd he done a great job, and I, I even said then I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel. But as for the Sosco twins, I honestly don't know. I haven't seen American Mary. I don't know what they're going to do with this. Um, but if Danielle Harris and Catherine Isabel is on it, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> So I mean, I'm I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm assuming this is going to go to theaters. I haven't seen any kind of announcement verifying that you know whether it was going to be direct to home video or theatrical. Uh, you know, the WWE is really trying to extend itself into different entertainment branches, and you know their film division is one of them. And like I said, you, you have the See No Evil two coming out, and then let's not forget that WWE Films and one of their wrestlers, Hornswoggle, uh, is taking over the role of Leprechaun in a reboot of the franchise. Uh, Now, have you heard anything about that, or what are your thoughts on a remake of Leprechaun? 
this is where I'm going to catch some hell, but I love the Leprechaun series. I love it. So oh, I, I thought about the whole show, series was... Go ahead. I was just saying, since I heard WWE came on with their version of it, I, I, I've kind of been chance about it. Well, the the only good thing I can tell you about that is they are definitely going for a hard R rating. They're not trying to dumb it down for teenager kid audiences. The director's gone on the record as saying, you know, that they made a horror film. I mean, the one thing that I do like about it is, well, I mean, I definitely want to see it too. I mean, I enjoyed, the leprechaun still needs to have humor. I mean, that's part of his shtick. I mean, he's a leprechaun. Um, but I mean, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that. It's it's nice to see that horror films, you know, are still getting that that kind of respect. WWE prides itself on being a family company, and yet they're putting out R-rated horror films. So, you know, who who knows what else we'll see. Um, the next bit of news, and I'm kind of on the fence about this. I'm interested to see how you feel about it. Uh, Fangoria.com did uh, released a news item that there will be an Insidious Chapter 3. Um, quote, it will come as no surprise following the $41 million opening of Insidious Chapter 2 over the weekend, but a third installment in, in the horrific franchise is already in the works. Variety reports that the series regular screenwriter uh, writer Lee Winnell has signed to script the next chapter. Uh, you know, I saw the first one, and I mean, it was okay. I didn't, I didn't see the hype in it. You know, the second one came out. You know, and I can't deny that it did well in theaters. It, it's just not my style of film, I guess. And now we're going on with a third one. Now I haven't seen the second one yet, so I'm not going to bash the film. I'm not, you know, going to go there. But um, what are your thoughts on the Insidious series and how it did in its opening weekend? I'll be honest, because of the success it's had, I actually want to see it. Uh, I kind of did not like the original, the first one either. I wasn't really a fan of it. I didn't think it'd go anywhere. And then when I saw they were making a sequel, I was a little shocked. And now, just after one week of the film being out, a third already in planned. I mean. I kind of feel it's going to be the next Paranormal Activity series. Yeah, but is that necessarily – I mean, again, I'm not a fan of the Paranormal Activity series either, but it's – No, I, that's I my feel point like exactly. Studios, They're just pumping out sequels to a series that I don't think really – people just watch but not necessarily like. Well, here, here's an interesting question, though, and people can make this debate about this series, but – do you feel like since they've stopped making the Saw movies that, that the companies are just willing to jump on anything at this point? I believe so, yes. I do believe that. I mean, I mean, I, I know there are fans out there that love this movie, and, and like I said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating it. I'm not saying it's the worst film ever made, but the first one, it just left a lot to be desired to me. I can't really put my finger on it. I'm not hating the movie or anything like that. I just I just wish there was a little bit more flash or substance to it, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's making money. It just makes you wonder. As long as it makes money, it's they're going to keep making sequels, I'm sure. But I feel like there's other stuff that we could do. Now, yeah, they, I'm pretty sure, like, Matt. They, go ahead. 
like I was about to say, that The Conjuring, I loved. I absolutely loved that movie. I just don't know yeah, I why. I haven't seen like, that one yet either. I, I don't see how they just couldn't make something similar but different instead of going back and just make sequel and sequel to movies people just really didn't care about. Hmm. I don't know. It's I'm going to have to see The Conjuring because I, I've heard a lot of good things about that one too, but I just haven't had the time yet. Um, for those that are listening live, um, the chat room is open on the Blog Talk radio page. So if you want to jump in and chat, um, I am on there. So come on and say hello. Now, Mac, I have a feeling this one is up more your alley. And um, we're not going to do the uh, the Metal Spotlight quite yet. And by the way, the band is Entrails from Metal Blade Records, of course. I want to say hello to Kelly, my rep out there from Metal Blade. Thank you for everything you're doing. I had the chance to uh, chat with Entrails for a little bit today on Facebook with a little bit of banner, trying to talk them to come down and playing in Raleigh, North Carolina one night. But um, another Metal Blade band has their name out there, and, and you know what? I think this is something I can get behind. This, this is interesting. Uh, Bloody Disgusting posted an article that says there's a petition aimed to have Guar experience a wardrobe malfunction at the 2015 Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> uh, Jeff Control of Moorhead, Kentucky, uh, basically started this petition because he was tired of seeing the stuff during the halftime act when you compared it to the violent, intense, and potentially injury-causing sport of football. Um, he started a petition that asks Greg Aiello, Senior Vice President of Communications <clears throat> excuse me, for the NFL, to allow Guar to be the Halftime Performance Act in 2015. Cantrell writes several reasons, including that frontman Dave uh, Brocky writes a football column for MetalSucks.com called Necessary Roughness, even the Dan Patrick show has an odorous mask on display. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Guaru will be releasing their new album, Battle, Battle Maximus, tomorrow. <laughs> Considering how bad some of the halftime shows have been over the last 10 years, what do you think having Guar play at the Super Bowl would do for ratings? I would love it. I would love to see it. <laughs> Do you think that could the, be the costume they have? I can only imagine what a wardrobe malfunction would look like for odorous. <laughs> oh my God! I can. Oh, oh. I, I just, I just can't imagine that this would not be the biggest rating blockbuster in NFL history. Not simply because people, you know love or hate Guar, but the curiosity alone. I don't think there wouldn't be a TV in America that wouldn't tune in to see this. But, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, it's – I would like to see, whether it be Guar or someone else, I would like to see a harder metal act at the Super Bowl. We've seen everything else. I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about trooping Cannibal Corpse out there, you know, to sing the national anthem, uh, you know, or cattle decapitation to be doing the halftime show. 
But you know, Guar is not screaming death metal. It's 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 a stage show. You know, you had Kiss do the Super Bowl, didn't you? Why why couldn't you do Guar? What what do you feel? I mean, you know, they have to sign contracts to do this. I mean, if Guar signs a contract, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to spray you know fake cum on the crowd like they do in some of their shows. You know what would be wrong with musically with just letting them play? And if we did, if they did, what what songs would you want to hear from them? The the list from that could be endless. You know, it wouldn't really matter what they play. It would just be the show itself, the fact they're there. Right. And and as for the actual wardrobe malfunction, like I said before, in their costumes, it'd be hilarious to see that because it wouldn't be you know they wouldn't use the real thing they would use some sort of prosthetic sure sure yeah it'll be just you a know. big giant floppy penis flopping out <laughs> and fake and it's the green TV. yeah it's going to be green and all pulsating it's going to be hilarious <clears throat> I, I, I you know it not look any worse than Jennifer's boobs so well, I mean, that's true. I mean, it would be better than having Miley Cyrus twerking on stage. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, the, the the diversity of it. I mean, you know, like I brought up zombies earlier and the way that they've infiltrated culture. You know, we're seeing zombies getting cell phones now and food and, you know, it's, you know, it's it's music. I mean... I don't know. I'm, a, you know, I'm offended by some of the acts that get to play the Super Bowl. I'm like, really? You're letting this trash on TV? You know, I don't know. It's, I think it's interesting. I think it would be a great coup for for Metal Blade Records and for Guar. I can only imagine, like I said, the media circus that would follow that. But, but now here's here's our last bit of news that I've got, and then I'll turn it over to you for a moment. Um. The Terminator returns for July 4th battle. Um, I found this one really interesting. Uh, the new Terminator movie will be released on Wednesday, July 1st, 2015. What's interesting about it is the weekend that it, or when it's coming out. Paramount has also officially announced uh, the rumored title for Michael Bay's Transformers Age of Extinction, which comes out June 17th. 2014. Okay, I read that wrong. Anyway, they announced the title for that. Anyway, what's what's interesting about the weekend that it comes out? Sony's Independence Day 2 and an untitled tune movie from Universal and Illumination Entertainment is supposed to come out two days after Terminator. So it 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 looks like they're really trying to give it a, a prime time schedule. But they're putting it up against some some big films. I mean, Independence Day 2 for Fourth of July weekend. I mean, you can't tell me you're going to buy it. if you don't Fandango your ticket now. You're not going to get one. But um, what are your thoughts on a new Terminator? Where do you want to see it go? And um, how do you think it's going to do that weekend? I love the Terminator series. I- I really like Salvation too. Most people, I know a lot of my friends did not, but I love Salvation. So I would love to see the next one follow that same path, the futuristic apocalypse kind of deal. But as for going up against the Independence Day too, I, I just don't see that happening. 
Well, let me throw let me throw a few more out there. The summer of 2015 um, is going to have a lot of stuff coming out. Um, you're going to have um, the new Avengers: Age of Ultron coming out that summer. Smurfs three, the new Jurassic Park movie, and the Batman Superman movie from Warner Brothers. That's all, all of those movies are coming out in that summertime area. It doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't stand a chance. I mean, how badass would the movie have to be? I mean, where do you think they would have to take the franchise at this point for that to be the movie that? that I mean. I don't expect it to beat the Avengers. I don't expect anything to beat the Avengers. But if if a if a Terminator movie is done right, it should be able to run. It should definitely run past the Smurfs. Jurassic Park and the Batman movie, it should be able to be relatively close to them. But what in your opinion, what would it take to get it back? Do we need Arnold back? You know, what point of the war do we need to see? Does it come back to the original time? What do you think we need? Yeah, that's what it would need to be, be the first Terminator or Terminator 2, T2. It has to follow that formula. We need Arnold back, and uh, even for it to even stand a chance. Hmm. Well, you know, and of course, you know, again, rumor, not saying this is fact, and God knows the man's name's been attached to just about every action adventure superhero movie, whatever. But you know, there have also been rumblings that The Rock could be a new version of the Terminator. What do you think? What do you? What would you think of The Rock being the new Terminator? Well, he does have his fans. So I mean, if he becomes the Terminator, then it it may stand a chance. But I personally don't think I would like them. Well, now let's say it's not The Rock or um, or Schwarzenegger. You know, who do you want to see as the Terminator? I, I haven't even. I've never even thought about that question because Arnold is the Terminator today. <laughs> but, but I can't even fathom that question. I can't even process it. Okay. Well, that's that's everything I have for news this evening. Is there is there anything you want to throw out there? Let people know, you know, writing wise, news wise. I mean, you you know, you post your fair amount of stuff on 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 the site, man. Let people in on what you're what you're following right now. Well, I would like to throw out that Concept Media did just release a film, an anthology film called Watch This. It's a uh, you can go to the site conceptmediafilms.com. It's there for sale, and you can also pre-order *In Summer Nightmares* too on there as well. Yeah, I had the fortune of uh, interviewing Christy Faulkner last week. Have Have you had a chance to talk to her yet? Yeah, I actually interviewed her for the uh, when they were filming the segment and watch this called *Ladies Night*. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I watched *Ladies Night* earlier today, and and. Trust me, when we get them on the uh, on the show for the interview here in about a little under 20 minutes, um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything I saw by them. I did not get a chance to see Bludgeon yet, but uh, I did see the uh, Sleeping Soul, and I thought that it's it, it's for most people it would probably be a little slow to start, but if you pay attention and the twist that happens in that one, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And um, I highly enjoyed Midsummer Nightmares as well. And, you know, Christy spoke very highly of them as filmmakers. So 
I, you know, I really feel like it's a good, it's going to be a good interview. And, you know, I have to let you know, I have to let, I have to thank you because you were the one that turned me on to them through the um, Scream Queen series that I write on Horror Society. You uh, nominated several of the ladies from their films for that series, and they have come on and 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 done the series. So I'm appreciative of that. Um, is there any other news you have? Um, anything else you're following? Uh, that's all I can really think of right now. Uh, concept, or not concept, but uh, The Crawling Dead was actually, you can go and order it now online at thecrawlingdead.com. Oh, okay. It's uh, another West Virginia filmmaker. He had just released it. I actually watched, got my copy today and watched it. I'm going to write a review for it soon. But, uh, yeah, that movie's up at thecrawling.com now. You can order it. Can you give us a little bit of background on that one? It's uh, it's actually a sequel to uh, Eamon Hardyman's film, Babies. Uh, I really love that movie, and we're from the same state, so I reached out to him. I've been talking to him a lot, and uh, he made this film. It's It kind of stands out as its own film, but it is a sequel to Zombie Babies. Okay, okay. Now, as most people know, most people that have gotten to know me, you know, like uh, my area of, of expertise in film is more along the lines of, you know, the 70s and 80s Italian zombie films and, you know, 70s and 80s horror films in general. When you sit down to watch a movie, when, you know, for fun, we're not talking about review, but for fun, what's what are a couple of titles you put in for fun and tell us a little bit of, a little bit about why you enjoy those films uh, well the one that I my go to movie is Evil Dead 2 having a bad day I just want to relax watch a movie it's Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. if I'm burnt out on it if I watched it so many times that week or that month I have to watch something different I usually throw in Return of the Living Dead those are two that I usually quote in my everyday life, my wife's probably sick of it, and she's never even seen those movies. <laughs> uh, but then I sprawl out from there. I just like I like off the wall black comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're more of a typically. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, from conversations you and I have had in the past, you know, you're more of an exploitation film fan, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. A lot. I mean, like, what, what are your some what are some of your favorite films from from exploitation? Well, the the original I Spill in Your Grave, I love that film. Um, I love the Isla movies, the SS films. I love those. Uh, I also oh, like I mean, Black Exploitation. Oh. I mean, you, you talking about the the not uh, just for a second going back to the to the Nazi thing. Um, I remember. I want to say it was. I want to say it was Media Blasters. What was it? I saw SS Hell Camp, and man, that movie just blew me away. It, when I finally found that type of film, I just couldn't believe they made stuff like that. And you know, it's actually starting to become popular again. If you remember in um, the Grindhouse double feature that Rodriguez and Tarantino did, they spoofed a trailer Werewolf Woman of the SS and. There are still rumors of that being made into a feature film, but, but yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, like the black exploitation films, of course. I mean, there were several that I enjoyed as well. I mean, 
you know, look at the Blackula movies and Blackenstein and, you know, just stuff like that. But, it, you know, it was, it was a great era of filmmaking, and, and I think that's a great style of film. Um, if, you, you do, if you don't mind saying this out loud on, on the radio, how old are you? I'm 26. See, that's nice. That's, see, it's, it's, it's nice, too, that I, I would still consider, consider, consider you part of the younger generation, and, you know, I don't mean that disrespectfully in any way, but it's nice to see that, that you know, you're seeking out movies from that generation and that time. It seems like it's a, it's a lost art anymore when you mention those types of films to people. You know, I have no concept that those types of films were ever made or the historical significance that those films hold. So, like I said, it's, it's, that it's and, interesting. That is also in part two. That's also in part two because so many people don't have access to those films. Most of those are not even released on DVD or Blu-ray. You had I mean, to be around the. You had to be in the video store era to even have a chance at those. And I mean that's very true. I mean it's it's. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's something that you don't think about too. You're right. You know, unless it was, you know, you know, Shaft movies, you know, or you know, some of the higher end kung fu movies, you're right. You're you're not gonna find a lot of that. Um, you know, Pam Greer movies and things like that. But there were so many movies that those actors weren't in, you know, that were great from, from the exploitation era. So well, tonight's musical spotlight is on a band called Entrails. They're from our friends at Metal Blade Records. These guys, these guys are pretty brutal. Um, I enjoy it. They are Swedish death metal, and their first song this evening from us will be "Descend to the Beyond." So sit back for five minutes and enjoy. And when we come back, we will set up our interview with our friends from Concept Media. So you are listening to the Calling Hours on Horse Society Radio.
to the calling hours. That was our media blade spotlight band this evening, Entrails. The name of the song was Descent to the Beyond. So this evening, our special interview is going to be with the folks from Concept Media. We're going to have Sean Burkett, Ryan Stacy, and Kitsy Duncan on here in a few moments. But in the meanwhile, I have my co-host with me, fellow writer at HorrorSociety.com, Big Mac. Mac, how you feeling so far? Pretty good. Pretty good. I can make it the rest of the day, I think. What's that? So I can make it the rest of the day, I think. <laughs> so, what do you think of the show so far? It's it's not as difficult as you thought it was going to be, did you? No, I, I still have. What's that? I'm still alive. I said I'm still alive. It's not as bad as I thought. So, uh, so what do you think of our band intros? There, are you uh, are you a metal fan of any kind? What do, what kind of music you listen to? I listen to metal, but nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> a little on the hard end for you there. Yeah, well, I like Children of Odom, Pantera, Black oh, okay. Society, but that, but that was a that was a whole new level there. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was Swedish death metal. The Swedes know how to do it when it comes to uh, to death metal for sure, and. We want to once again thank Metal Blade Records for allowing us to spotlight one of their one of their bands every week. We will have another song from Entrails coming up later on in the show. So, you, as I mentioned earlier before, you were the guy that kind of that turned me in the direction of Concept Media. So, you obviously have known them. You've seen their films. You know they're going to be working with you on your film when you're ready to do it. Tell us a little bit about how you found out about concept films or concept media films. I'm sorry, you know, and and what what was it that made you look at their project and go, damn, these guys are good? Because you you told me that you were like, you need to check these guys out, and I went and checked them out, and yeah, they're they're pretty damn hype. So fill us in on how you found out about them and 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 all that. Well, I. Uh... I'm a fan of Dustin Mills. He makes independent films that are way out there. Um, and I became friends with him on Facebook, and he had posted that everyone needed to check out the film Bludgeon, that he'd done uh, some special effects for it. So I reached out to the page, to the Facebook page for Bludgeon, and asked them for a screener to review for the site. That's how I met Sean and... Uh, an actress from the film, uh, Haley Madison, if I say that right. Then uh, he let me review a couple of his films, and then I met Ryan. I thought it was just a one-man show for mm-hmm. Sean making the film. Then I, then I discovered that Ryan had actually directed Men's Summer Nightmares. So then I became friends with him on Facebook and got that film, reviewed it, and then we actually went to Friday Night Film Fest both of them and me and my wife and we hung out for the day. Um they're they're all around. It looks like one of it looks like one of the crew is, is calling in, so let me bring them on. Welcome to Horse Society Radio's the calling hours. This is the dead man. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? This is Ryan Stacy. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Well, it's going all right. How are you guys tonight? I'm good. I got Mac Brewer with me. Of course, you know Mac from Horse Society as well. 
I do, and I also have the pleasure of knowing Mac in life as well. Very nice. Ooh. How you doing, Mac? I'm great, Ron. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, while we're waiting for the rest of your crew, Mac was telling us how he got to know you guys. So, Mac, please continue your story. I was actually wrapping up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We went to Fright Night Fest and hung out for the day. I got to know him a little more than just casual Facebook conversation. And now they're uh, 3 in the morning Xbox live conversations. Make that right, right. <laughs> See, the Xbox is a great socialization tool. It is. It is. So I have, I have oh, yeah, to... I mean, I, Oh, I got No, I was just going to say in. I really in. All right. Thank you for calling Horror Society Radio, the calling hours. This is the dead man. Who am I speaking with? Hello? 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 We lost somebody. <laughs> oh, no. He's still here. Here. Mac, you're still here? Ryan, you're still here? And I'm still here. Yep. Okay. We lost somebody there. It was a it was a nine three seven area code, so it was someone out your way, I think, Ryan. That would have been Mr. Burkett. Ah, we lost him. Hopefully he is listening and he will call us back. But you were starting to say something before <laughs> the phone rang. And he's calling back. Oh, I was just... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is the dead man from the calling hours. Would this be Sean? This is Sean. Hello, Sean. <laughs> We've got Ryan with us, and we, of course, we have Mac Brewer from Horror Society as well. Hello, all. And I Hello, believe Sean. Uh, Kitsy is calling in, so let me answer this one. All righty. And this is Horror Society Radio. This is the dead man. Is this Kitsy? This is Miss Kitsy. How are you tonight? I am fine, Miss Kitsy. We now have the whole crew here, ladies and gentlemen, from Concept Media. We have Kitsy Duncan. We have Sean Burkett. And we have Ryan yeah. Stacy. And, of course, Hello. my co-host, Mac Brewer from Horse Society. Hello, Welcome hello, everybody. hello. Hello, Kitsy. How's everybody doing? Good. How are you, honey? Good. Let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> See, I like enthusiasm. <laughs> well, as I had mentioned before, before you guys came on, you know, Mac has known you guys. He has reviewed your films. Mac is the guy that got me to check you guys out, and I have to say I'm quite impressed with what I've seen. Um, over the last 24 hours, I've watched Midsummer Nightmares. I've watched uh, The Sleeping Soul and You're Next. Mac, since you were the one who introduced me to him, you get to ask the first question. Take it away, Mac. So many questions. But I'll take it easy on it. I want to know what got you guys started in the movie-making business. Um, Sean, I'll let you answer that as far as we're concerned. Thanks. Okay. Is he still there? Apparently yeah, that wasn't as smooth. Can everybody hear me? I can, I can hear, you. hear you, Sean. I can't understand Matt, though. I'm sorry. Um, 
Yeah, I think what what got us started in uh, trying to make movies was uh, me and Ryan always had a passion for it, especially in high school. We used to set up at a Waffle House and either sober up or just sit around and talking about movies and smoking cigarettes. And uh, just one day we decided to say, screw it, let's do it. And we did it. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Kitsy? Yep. Um, I have been, I am actually not a member of Concept Media. This is all their questions. I'm just along for the ride for Midsummer Nightmares 2. <laughs> uh, yep. but, but see, I have, I have you listed as uh, uh, being in Midsummer Nightmares 2, Summer's End. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We filmed a couple weekends ago, and it was a blast. These guys know how to uh, make a fun slasher, that is for sure. Well, how did you, how and was not to mention that you are incredible. Go on, really, go on (laughs) (laughs) She is, she's incredible She was so much fun to work with What was it that brought you to the project, Kitsy? What was it, what what had you heard about these guys That made you go, okay, I want to work with them I like this idea Uh, You know, I had met um, Mr. Ryan Dressed as Miss Elvira And how can you say hello How can you not Say yes to that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a valid point. I mean, I mean, all right, all right, Sean, I so, I mean he makes a better Val Elvira than I do, Elvira. and that's that's a feat. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, Sean, yeah, I, I see, I see he's being. Being the president of, of 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 Concept Media, you're the guy that holds the glue together when it comes to this. So, how is it that that you and um, Ryan came together for the for Concept Media, and how was it that you guys decided pretty pretty much that horror films were going to be how you got your, yourselves out there? Um, a few years ago. Uh, Joe Bob's Joe Bob Briggs was, uh, I guess, looking for scripts to buy up. Mm-hmm. And Ryan brought this to my attention, and you know, he he was letting me know like that he was writing something. And I'm not sure how we got to the point, but we just decided to, instead of submit his script, to actually just go ahead and make a film. Like, I mean. I had just kind of given up what I knew as far as what I did in my life, so I was kind of looking for a point to start over, and I've always had such an appreciation for films, especially horror movies, that, uh, yeah, I just, we just put all our effort into it. Now, Sean, how, I mean, and what was it that, you know, how do you feel about that? What? How do you feel about your the common bond you have for film and and the types of films that you guys are putting out? I mean, hmm. <laughs> I, I love the films that we make, but, as, I mean, as a filmmaker, like, personally, I still haven't made, you know, that, that one film that I feel has, or, or that could be a game changer. Right. Do you, I mean? Do you feel like it's in the horror genre? Is that? I hope it is. 
it, it just comes down to, I mean, I love horror movies, but, I mean, as far as these conventions go and everything and the people that we know, other filmmakers, it seems like horror or a thriller, some, as, as long as there's, I guess, death in it or some sort of psychological warfare, um, it counts as horror. Right. So I really don't know if we'll hit it in horror necessarily. I know Ryan and I would both love to explore other options. It's just at this point in time, I mean, I truly, I love horror. But at this point in time, it's like to do some other type of film, that's going to cost a lot more money. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. Now, now, Kitsy, looking over your resume, I'm, I'm scrolling through your IMDb, and you have certainly done your fair share of, of horror films. Um, on the actress end, you know, the series that I do, the, uh, the Screen Queen series that I do on Horror Society, um, I've been surprised recently how many actresses have responded back with the comment that they're not interested because they don't want the words Screen Queen associated with their career. Um, how do you? I'm I'm dead serious. I mean, I'm not going to drop names. I'm not calling anyone out. No, and I don't choice, expect but, but I mean, what I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, you know what my thought is like, on that. Jamie Lee Curtis was the original Scream Queen. That's my thought on that matter. Screw them. Seriously, <laughs> Scream Queens are where a lot of people get started. And it's a lot of fun. You get your chops. You work with some amazing people. You may, oh, I'm, I'm I'm a little pissy. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. This is what this, this is what this show is for. Get it out. You know, it's. I think people take themselves too seriously. That's that's my I mean, that is my my life lesson to everybody listening right now. Don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun. Do what you want to do. And again, can I just say, Jamie Lee Curtis was the original Scream Queen, and look at her now. I mean, that's true. That's true. Mac, what are your thoughts? No, I agree totally with all that. Every bit of it. What's that? I said I agree with that fully, Every, everything she said. <laughs> Do you have anything I you want to ask? I want to know what Ryan thinks on that. May I? Please, please. This is an open This is an open format discussion. If anyone has anything to say, go for it. That's why we're here. <laughs> We're here to promote you, your films, and have open discussion, please. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan, being who you are? You know what I'm saying? So just, you know, I'm curious. Like, well, how do I feel about the label Scream Queen? About women not wanting to be labeled a Scream Queen. Oh, I think it's irritating a little bit just because – there are so many girls that I have run into who want to act and specialize in horror, and I think that that is a very prestigious title to be offered, to be called a screen, a screen queen, because then you are in the same boat, in the same vein as somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis, like Kissy, like you said, she is the quintessential screen queen. So I think if I were a female actor and I were to be referred to as a screen queen, I would be honored. Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, Ryan couldn't have said it better. You know, I, I'm of the you know, I, I understand women don't want to be typecast, but 
just embrace it. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, horror is so much more. I'm telling you, my part in in Midsummer Nightmares is something like I've not done before. And it's it. So I'm not being typecast. I just happen to end up in horror movies because that's where my connections are. Mm-hmm. And you do a damn good job of being in horror films, Kissy. <laughs> Thanks, baby. <laughs> You're well, I mean, I find it to be it, – I mean, it's an interesting argument. Like I said, I mean, it's not that anyone was ever rude about it, but they were like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to be a part of this interview series because it associates my name with this. And I tried to make some of these girls understand, too, that the series title is not strictly about Scream Queens. It's – you know, if you take the time to read it, it's, you know, it's Deadly Beauty, Horror, Scream Queens, and Rising Talent. And it takes more than just being in a horror film as a female to be a screen queen. You know, mm-hmm. there are prerequisites. It's you know, just like there are rules to a horror movie, there are rules to being a screen queen. And um, some of them just don't don't grasp that concept. And you know, I was very fortunate recently. Brink Stevens answered the ser- uh, questions in the series. You know, and she had told me, and she only does like you know two or three interviews a year, and she's retired from it. You know, and she's been doing it for for years, and she could still, to this day, be out there making the movies and, and doing all this. And she's decided to retire, but she did. She tells me how much she appreciated how much that did for her and her career, and how much you know the fans appreciated her for it. Yeah. I don't know. You know? I think ladies starting out in the industry. Um, and that, that's what you're going for, is the girls that are trying to make a name for themselves with the, with the screen queen, queen interviews, I would assume. There is no such thing as bad publicity. If somebody wants to do an interview with you, do it, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, you, there's just, people just need to stop being so freaking serious. Why so serious? <laughs> sorry, my comic nerd came out. There's, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. We're comic book fans on this show, so there's, there's no judgments there. But, um, Ryan, I wanted to ask you real quick. Um, your directorial yeah. debut was um, Midsummer Nightmares. And, uh-huh. I, you know, I had the good fortune of interviewing Christy Faulkner last week, and she spoke very highly of you, you know, the, um, for bringing her on to the second one. She's taking over a role from the first film. And, um, yeah. you know, so I watched the film uh, the other day, and, you know, I was really impressed with. The quality of the film, you know, how it looked, you know, I, I enjoyed the acting, everything that went into it. Um, are you and Sean at liberty to, I mean, with what you guys have made, what, what has been your, your budget and how have you been able to stretch it to produce independent quality horror like this? I'm sorry, you cut out. Could you repeat the question for me? Sure. I was wondering, you know, looking at the quality of the films, you know, what were the budgets and how were you able to stretch things to make things look as good as they did? Um, I will tell you right now, uh, we had absolutely pretty much no budget on the first film. I think we made that film with the camera included. It was probably, oh, Sean, what was it, like $1,500? Yeah. It was right about there, so that's where I mean, I don't. I, I'm kind of amazed at how it did end up turning out on such a low budget. But I'm very proud of that movie, and I'm very glad it looks the way it does. 
Now, you guys handle all of the stuff on set, and when I mean that, I mean like the music, you know, you know, the directing, the writing, all of that. With the two of you as a team, how do you bounce those creative ideas off of one another? <laughs> well, it's lots of sitting down. I, it involves lots of playing in a forehead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely, I think, you know, with every creative relationship, and I think that Sean can agree with having um, worked in bands and things, there's definitely going to be headbutting. Sure. And there's, but I feel like that has to be there in a way. But, I mean, we just sit and talk about everything as best as we can, and Sean's always running ideas through his mind about music and things like that. So, you know, that's really, Sean's really in the technical end of the production. He's all cameras, lights, the music, everything. Is that accurate, Sorry, Sean? You don't... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, please. Okay. <laughs> and, so, well, and like with I any mean, relationship, indie film's the same thing. It really is. It's, it's almost like being married. I mean, you guys have to go uh, through ups and downs. and. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. I and Sean and I are roommates. So, I mean, we we see a lot of each other. <laughs> but we don't have a Prius. <laughs> well well Sean, can you can you speak on this technical lens for a moment? I mean, how do you when you're envisioning something, you know, from a lighting end or or a camera technical end, you know, how how do you go about approaching Ryan for these things so that you guys are on the same page? Um, honestly, most of the time I end up pissing him off by doing that, <laughs> just because he'll have something in mind, and then as far as, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I'm a professional by any means at lighting, or, but I know what our cameras can do with the lights we have. Right. So, it's like normally, like, the first Midsummer Nightmares, I don't believe, I think there's maybe one or two outside at night shots and that was mainly because our lights couldn't I mean we didn't have enough lights to generate what we needed um with Midsummer Nightmares 2 though it's just a completely different story our camera had a a better focal range and exposure all around with our lights the outdoor scenes just look amazing Okay. Now, Kitsy, from your end, working with them on Midsummer 2, um, what did you notice on the technical end? And as an actress, how did you view their working relationship, how they communicated what they needed from each other? Honestly, I was totally kidding when I said the concrete and the forehead thing. I noticed no tension between the two of them at all. They were absolutely a total pleasure to work with. I used to do um, some producing as well, and I worked with my husband. So, I mean, I know how the relationships can strain and things like that, but I thought they did an amazing job. I really, truly did. And um, they were even up for some suggestions that I had um, formed to try to help things out. Because you know how, I don't know if you know how independent film is, but nothing ever goes exactly how you plan it, ever. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you. I'm a, I've I've done some producing as well, and and a, a professional 
effects artist as, as well. So yeah, I, I trust me, I know the uh <laughs> the pitfalls of working on indie film. Now exactly. now going along that same but vein. But they were now, they were an absolute pleasure. Okay. Now okay Mac, you got anything to add to this? Not to that portion no. <laughs> well fine, Mac. Well, I don't know be quiet. This I'm waiting the same for guy. Him on Xbox at three in the morning. Oh, he's yeah, playing Grand Theft Auto Five. I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let me over. ask you this then. I'll, I'll, put, I'll make I'll make Mac talk. Here we go. Mac had mentioned to me before you guys came on the air that you guys are going to be helping him with a film project that he is going to be working on. So Mac, why don't you enlighten the the crowd again and our fine guests? What you told me about them possibly working with you, and um, how would you feel about having Kitsy in the movie? Well, the film itself will be called Pray for Max, and I don't really want to talk about the story right now because it's very okay. the ending is very sensitive. Um, but I'm help I'm having Sean come on to help me with pretty much everything, and then Ryan is going to he don't he doesn't really know if he is or not. So he's being forced into it. Come on and do everything else. Um, as for the film itself, it's really just a two-man show on screen. It's going to be uh, an adult and a small boy, and that's about as far as I really go into it. Um, but Sean has been helping me do everything so far as to get everything off the ground, and then I have to get the Indiegogo campaign going to get him from Ohio to West Virginia. We're going to both, actually. Okay, now now here we go. That opens up an interesting thread of discussion. And since all of us here have experience in indie film or are getting ready to do indie film, what are your thoughts on Kickstarter and Indiegogo? And how do you feel about names like Spike Lee, the people that are doing, what is it, Veronica Mars, how do you feel about bigger name directors using it? And Kitsy, let's start with you on this one. Um, I've I've been on both ends of it. I've been I've used Indiegogo as a producer. I've also been on the acting end of it. I've also contributed to it. I think it's a great way for people to get funding that normally wouldn't be able to. What are your thoughts on bigger name directors using Indiegogo though? You know, it depends on the project. If it's something, you know, totally mainstream that they could have gotten funding for if they worked a little harder in Hollywood, then I feel like they're taking money away from the, the little man. If it's a project that, you know, nobody wants to help them out with in Hollywood and it's a good project and it's something that people do need to see, then I am all for it. Okay. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on that? I'm I'm right there with Kitsy for the most part. It, it's a great thing for the independent filmmaker. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I saw something like Tom Savini's doing a um, yeah, Dead Island. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean I don't want to say that, that pissed me off. It was like you know, but I mean he's done so many movies. Like I don't I don't understand why he needs crowd help. Necessarily, right, right. But I, mean, I, I, I wish mean, I knew more info on about it. On like, Dead Island, I, I don't. 
not necessarily on Dead Island, just because the perks that he was offering, I mean, is pretty much damn near the same as what any indie filmmaker would offer. So I don't see the... I guess people just see the name and they're like, oh, I can I can be a part of this. I think that's something that is kind of under my skin. How much is he I, asking for? I believe oh, it was well. a million. Yeah, yeah it was, for one million. It, it, was, one it million. was a lot of money. You know, you know, my thought on it is this, and like I said, you know, the first film I did, Forever Dead, I, you know, I was a producer on. We made that movie all told over a span of a year and a half for ten grand, and that was like buying two cameras and you know food. No one ever, no one got paid from that. Um, the second film I did was a ten grand. The third film I did wound up being picked up by Lionsgate. That I think I had like a, I want to say a twenty-five or fifty thousand dollar budget. The last film I did was um, they did it for half a million. And, you know, there, there's a big difference stepping up when you have that kind of budget. But, oh, I, you yeah. know, the problem I have with bigger name people, I mean, Spike Lee is Spike Lee. You, you can't tell me Spike Lee doesn't have a million dollars laying around. You know? Or doesn't yeah. know somebody who can invest it. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I'm starting to notice with Indiegogo and Kickstarter. This money that, that people are making they're doing it so they don't have to go to an investor and pay that money back. I was just going to say that. It's kind of shady if you think of it that way, though, don't you think? I mean, the only thing yeah. that they're out really is, you know, if you look at a lot of these perks, you're not they're not paying for you. Like, if you decide to be – if you pay $5,000 to be executive producer, let's say, and this is an example. that I'm not quoting Savini's. This is just stuff that I've seen. Right. $5,000 will get you an executive producer's credit. You get to come out on set for a day, die in the film, but they don't pay for your hotel. They don't pay for your transport to the, to or from the set. You have to do that yourself. You get like a copy of the film, an autograph poster, and that's what the majority of the stuff is that, you, that you're getting as a benefit. Well, what do you so think I, of it think, as having these big budgets before, though? What do, how do you feel about it? Look at me interviewing the interviewer. I apologize. No, I, and I'm all for it. I mean, I, you know, it's – I mean, I, I've looked at Indiegogo because I have my own script, you know, and it's – you know, I'm definitely not going on and asking for a million dollars, you know. I, yeah. I feel like I qualify under indie film director who would have no other way of getting his film made. You know, but I'm not one of these Hollywood fat. The people that made Veronica Mars, there's like what the four or five principal actors. They, I think they raised five million dollars with all the money that those people have made. You're telling me the five of them couldn't have chipped in a million apiece instead of taking the money away from the fans, who are then going to turn around and then go pay to see it in the theaters? Yeah. How much more of a double dip can you get? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, and it's hard because it's an open source. There's no rule that says you have to have this or have that. Yeah. But you know, I mean, is that something you you know that Sean and Ryan is this something that you guys are looking at for some of your future products? Ryan, I'll let you take that one first. I mean. 
I'm all about the crowdfunding, and I, I, you know, I really didn't get a chance to say what I thought about um, the bigger names doing it. I'm kind of with what Michael just said. Like, it's just it's it's really frustrating to know that all these people are giving money, like you just said, and then these people are just going to turn around and pay more money again to go see it in the theater. That's just not fair, and I'm not really about that, you know. John, mm-hmm. agree um, with that? <laughs> yes, I agree, I agree with that because I'm sorry, but there are people who there are two different types of movie goers. There are people who will watch independent films. There are people who will wa- will not watch independent wow. films. And when it comes to crowdfunding, it's like they get the people who won't watch independent films interested. And then, I don't know, part of me just feels like it's a very shady marketing ploy that's, in a way, taking possible funders away from independent filmmakers. I would agree. Well, I mean, and Mac, what's your thought on that? Since since you are going to be a first-time independent filmmaker and you're thinking about this process, I mean, what do you think? I think it is a valuable tool for um, people starting out wanting to make their own films. But people already established, I, I just they're abusing the system. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because I do. I feel like it's taking away from, you know, the true independent filmmaker. It's, you know, you know, unlike to me, you might laugh at this, but I would have no problem with someone like Troma Films doing it. <laughs> They still you know, have that I mean, indie feel to their stuff, though. That makes complete sense. It, it does. I mean, it, it seems to be the kind of, you know, the thing that that, that Lloyd would definitely be into. Well, and so much schlepping their their DVDs at the the conventions just like we are. You know what I'm saying? So, of course. Very much so. So, guys, let me um, let me ask you real quick about Watch This. I, I had the opportunity to watch that this afternoon before before the show. And I have to admit, the ladies' night was was pretty good. Um, <laughs> the first question I have is, how did you manage to up, uh, upload that video to YouTube and have a giant penis cut off of someone on camera and it not get it, banned? It's not made public. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the concept you had for that for that segment in the in in the story. Well, originally I had um, started writing this story, and my working title for it was, like, I believe The Girls or something like that, and I wanted to make it into a feature length, and then last year Sean and I toyed with the idea of creating a web series, so I just kind of parlayed the script that I had into making it, I think I had four episodes written, and it was called Depraved. And mm-hmm. then that that never really took off, and Sean came to me this summer, and he was like, look, I think we should do a, a collective, like an anthology. And I said, okay. And he said, and you should, you know, put a short together. So I just took – basically, Ladies Night is those four episodes condensed down into, I believe, a 13-minute short. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just and, loved uh, it. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the whole um, extraction, that's what I call it. The extraction was never actually in 
the uh, initial script of the show or the movie, um, Elaine kind of killed in a different way. She was sort of like a praying mantis and killed during sex, and I just couldn't do that this time. So I was like, well, how can I make this really screwed up? Okay, I'll cut a penis off. Sean, what and was if your I remember right at, uh, that? I'm sorry, what was that? What what was your thought process when that scene hit the editing editing uh table in front of you? I thought it was just absolutely amazing. What what kills me is that like two days before the shoot <laughs> Ryan's kinda like, So we need a, a big fake dick. <laughs> and uh well I don't I don't think Ryan believed me a little bit that I could make one. Because that is just um, that is just sandwich baggies and wax, and then Ryan uh, makeup took makeup and like you know made the veins pop and everything. You know Ryan wanted to go shopping. Come on. <laughs> it really is pretty scene in the film. It looks it looks great, but I mean, do you think you could have made it any bigger? What's, what's well, funny is that it really wasn't, it's really not that big. Yeah, but on camera, that thing looks enormous, dude. <laughs> he I mean, was that well, because there was no blood flow to his brain. There was no way. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't know I mean, if it's not big by whose standards, though. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, he looked like he could have clubbed her and gotten away. <laughs> well, thank you. I modeled that after my own. Uh, so, here we that. go. Here we go. It's, it's broken down. See, Mac, you didn't oh, warn me God. about this when you told me to check that movie out. Oh, I didn't well, know that because you told me that was in it. That, Mac, I did tell Mac at Fright Night. Night. <laughs> I told Mac at Fright Night. It was the day before the shoot, and I did tell Mac, like, well, you know, tomorrow we're shooting a short, and there's going to be a, a dick cut off in it. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> he was not comfortable with it. So you're, you're not okay with genital mutilation there, Mac? Yeah, not at all, not at all. <laughs> Who that be? If you want to destroy my body, just leave that. <laughs> All right, Kitsy, I wanted to ask you about uh, one that I saw on your INDB, and it, it really caught my attention here. I'm looking at, for 2014, a movie called Eat. What can you tell me about Eat? Eat is on the back burner. That's all I know about Eat right now. It was a great oh, flick um, by Jason Horton. It was a great zombie flick, um, and it just did not get the thing he wanted, so... I can tell you Proxy is a, an amazing story that just got distribution. So All right, be on the lookout for that then. one. Proxy well, tell was us about done. it a little bit then. I, I really can't tell you anything about it other than it is a an amazing psychological thriller um, done by Zach Parker and actually filmed not that far from where we filmed Midsummer Nightmares 2. It was in Richmond, Indiana. And it oh, played at the the Toronto Film Festival, and got distribution there. So I don't know a whole lot about it other than what Zach's posted on Twitter. I have a teeny mm-hmm. tiny little cameo in it, but the story is, it, when I read the script, I was like, oh, oh, hell, oh, no, they did not, you know. So 
definitely be on the lookout of that. And if I can just plug one little thing that I've been pushing my heart out about this week. If you have a Please, Roku player, if you have a Roku player, check out Get Scared TV um, and subscribe. It's a free channel. What um, myself and Dark Rider Studios is trying to do is get as many of us independent filmmakers who have short features, webisodes, or whatever that's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. We want to get it up on this channel that's a streaming unit in over 5 million homes right now and so the, the world can see our independent films. So Get Scared well, I TV. I like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really neat project. We're still in beta processing with submissions right now, but um, it's it's going to be a big deal. So check it out on Facebook. It's Get Scared TV. One word. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, too. If you send uh, me and Max some information on that, we will definitely look into that, and we will we will definitely post on that. Oh, for but, sure. But um, we're starting to get close to the end of the interview here, so let's tie this together with a nice bloody bow. Midsummer Nightmares 2, Summer's End. This is the project that you guys have all worked on together. You've started filming on it. Let's start with Sean. Sean, what what is your ultimate goal with this film? What are you hoping to do with this one that you haven't done with any of your previous productions? Oh, wow. That is a good question that I don't really have an answer for. Um, I think. I mean, are you I looking at the festival circuit? or? I, I believe so. That's more of a, a Ryan question. I know we have talked, I mean, we've had various talks about trying to uh, secure uh, some other form of distribution because at this point we've had offers to you know have our films distributed but they just were horrible offers just sure. got awful offers and with Midsummer Nightmares 2 honestly this is going to be the best thing that we've made thus far the overall I mean We've done, like, test shootings and everything, and we've began editing a little bit just to see how the final product will look, and it just it blows anything else that we've done out of the water. Ryan? That not to mention the story is just it's amazing. Oh, thank you, Sean. You're welcome, <laughs> baby girl. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I, I have to. I have. I, I want to jump in. Yeah, definitely. And I have to agree that um, you know, just the, the sheer look of the film is just so much better, and I am so proud of it. And I actually had the most awesome blessing of having some amazing actors. And at this time, I mean, I had amazing actors in the first one, but it's like the mission and the goal that I set as a director and writer of this project is to make a sequel that does surpass the original, that does, you know, make it better. And I think I've done it. And with, you know, working with the likes of Miss Kitsy and um, Stacy's back, and I just I just love everybody in the film, and it, it's going to be awesome. Kitsy, what are, what are you what are you hoping that the audiences and yourself can take away from the film once it's finished? I just can't wait to see it. I really truly can't. I think these guys put together a, an amazing project, and I think audiences are going to adore it. I met some great people on set. Um, hopefully, you know, relationships for life with these people. It was just it was just an all around fun. 
Hello. Is that me? I, I'm here. Okay. But even the pizza was good. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what was, hey, it's what important was the, that the pizza's good on set. What was the kid's name? The kid with the curly Wyatt. hair in the horror house? And I got to meet Wyatt, and everybody <laughs> loved Wyatt. Is Wyatt, Wyatt the son of the location? He was the son of the location owners, and he kind of just got adopted into the PA, and he was going around making sure all the actors had a snack or a drink if they needed anything, running around wrangling people, making sure that everything was going off without a hitch the best he could. And he's only 15, and the kid is just amazing. Absolutely. Love that guy. See, the untold hero of the story is the 15-year-old is the yeah. PA. <laughs> Matt, anything from- you want to Go ahead. So aside from Ryan and Sean, but he's he's third man on the totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, anything you want to add real quick? Um, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> Mac is a man of few oh, words this evening. I'm going to say, would love some of that for my reel I'm going to be working on soon. Intense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I would like to just say something real quick. Um, sure. You know, you guys had – Michael, you had Christy on last week. Yes, and Christy joined the production a week before we started filming. And that girl just came onto my set and blew the lid off the entire production. And I just have to brag about her because she is just such an amazing spirit. She was an awesome addition to this film. And you saw her in Ladies' Night. I think that that gives you a taste of what she's capable of. And it was just oh, really yeah, the icing for on, on top of the uh, incredible cast cake, if you will. And so um, I know Christy's actually listening right now, so I just want to say hi to her. And, Hello, uh, yeah. Christy. Shark I week. unfortunately didn't get to work with her, but I met her at Whorehound, and she's, she is larger than life. I love her. She's got this and personality so that's absolutely amazing. Oh, her hair is larger than life. <laughs> she, was, she just went up and she's like, are you Kissy? I'm Chrissy. It's so nice to meet you. She was just so full of energy and life. I, I can only imagine what it was like working with her on that. Oh, she was, she was a great guest on the podcast. She spoke she spoke uh, very highly of, of everyone, so... It's you know, I, you know. I hope to have you guys all on once the film premieres. Keep me in the loop on that, and I would love to have you guys on again. But before I let you go from your interview, um, real quick, let's go around the table. Kitsy Duncan, please tell fans where they can find you, how to contact you, anything like that. Um, KitsyDuncan.com is pretty much a link to everything I've got going on. I've got a new ghost hunting show called Oddity Files, OddityFiles.com. And like I said, check out Get Scared TV on Facebook and Twitter. It'll tell you how to get it on the Roku. And Kitsy, I'm going to be sending you the questionnaire for the, uh, the Deadly Beauty series if you're interested. Will you call me a screen queen, please? If you like <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Ryan, I mean, it's up to you, whoever wants to say it, however you want to say it. Tell everyone how to find out about Concept Media Films, your website, whatever you need to tell everyone. Okay, well, um, our website is conceptmediafilms.com. 
Concept Media is um, also on Facebook. We have a page for that. We have pages for all of our films, so just search our film titles, and you can find our official pages on Facebook there. I can be found on Facebook, and I also have a Twitter. My Twitter account is at the real, and that's spelled R-E-E-L, Ryan S. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we, we want to, Horse Society Radio and the Calling Hours want to thank you guys for coming on and talking with us so candidly. I had fun. Mac, would you like to say anything to, anything to anyone in closing? Just thanks for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, you Mac, are you an are. important one. You I'm are trying to handsome, tell you, handsome man. If he was any quieter, he'd be dangerous. Well, guys, again, thank you for coming on. I want to have you on in the future. Again, our guests were Kitsy Duncan, Sean Burkett, and Ryan Stacy, all from Midsummer Nightmares 2, Summer's End. Everyone make sure to stay tuned because next, after our next musical interlude from Entrails, our Metal Blade Records band of the evening, we will be discussing... Shout Scream Factory's DVD release of George Romero's Day of the Dead, and we will have a prize pack to give away. So make sure to hang on. In five minutes, we'll be back. In the meantime, here is Metal Blade Records Band Entrails with In Pieces.
welcome back to the calling hours on Horror Society Radio. I am your host, Michael Jones, the dead man from Horror Society, with my guest co-host this evening, Mac Brewer, also a fellow writer on HorrorSociety.com. That last track we just heard was from Entrails. The song title was in pieces off of their latest album, Raging Death from Metal Blade uh, Records. Just a little bit of quick background info on Entrails. The band started in 1991, but for several years up until 2008, they were never able to really successfully get together and put together an album and tour. After that, it just went crazy. All the demo work they did earlier in their career, they wound up turning into their first two albums and then went on to do this new one with Metal Blade. Swedish death metal, definitely. They definitely remind me a lot of band, uh, a lot like uh, Obituary, and you know, just the sense of their of their sound. So I know we had talked earlier there, Mac. You're you're not the world's biggest metal fan, but but what are your thoughts on our on our Spotlight band this evening? Man, I love metal, just not not that spectrum of the genre. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a little too wild for me. That's what I like to bring now. I like to bring a little bit of chaos to the show, you know, just so the the fans can let their anxiety out. So we're going to do our DVD giveaway, and tonight it is a little bit different. For anybody that would like to win a Shout Scream Factory prize pack, and no, I do not know what's in them because they arrive tomorrow, first caller at one three four seven. Two three seven five zero nine nine will win a Shout Scream Factory prize pack. Who knows? It could be anything. Their title list is quite extensive. But what we're going to talk about is the movie that released today from them. Scream and Shout Factory has released George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. It's a collector's edition Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. And like I said, today was the street day. Now, Mac, I know that you probably have not seen the Blu-ray, but what are your general thoughts on Romero's original third film in his zombie series? I really enjoy that one. Uh, I like it. It's one of my favorite zombie films of all time. Now, what do you what do you feel like he did different? Because every every film had a different tone and feel to it. What was it stylistically about Day of the Dead that you enjoyed so much? The how it was realistic. It was more darker, grittier compared to Dawn. Dawn felt like a comic book, and I think it's even the the mindset they went into that one with. But Day is just dirty, gritty, and bloody. I, I would agree. Now, and that's the one interesting point about this film. I was talking with um, uh, another friend of mine who runs a podcast, and I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants it out there, but we had talked about the, the Day of the Dead DVD since he is such a huge fan. And one of the things that he said about it was it almost looks like it's too clean. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you described the film – what was kind of unique about it was the fact that out of all of the ones in the series, 
it definitely had much more of a gritty, dirty, almost a almost a broken down feel. And the colors in the DVD are just so vibrant. It's it seems funny to complain about that because we always talk about wanting, you know, such great quality, you know, in our films. But this is really a film if they had just toned it the color down a hair. But even that, you know, it's it's absolutely a minor complaint. But um, it is actually an, an absolutely phenomenal DVD. Um, of course, you know, we had makeup effects by Tom Savini. Um, and one of the nice special features on here is he actually he actually provides um, 30 minutes, I believe it is. Let me pull up my notes here on this. Yeah, he, he provides about 31 minutes of archival footage as one of the bonus features on the DVD. And you get to see him apply a lot of the makeup and, you know, see the process of that. And it's absolutely stunning, to be honest with you. It's it's nice to see that he has all that footage and that he's, you know, he was willing to, to put it in the DVD. Um, you know, did, was there any particular effects or zombie, a particular zombie in that film that really drew your attention? Uh, yeah, Bub, I actually have him tattooed on my arm here. Uh Thing where he's got the headset on. Bub, you have Bub tat. That's that's pretty sweet. Where did you have that done? Yeah. It was a shop when I was in college. Actually, right down the road from it. Uh, they went out of business since then, from what I understand. But yeah, they, he threw uh, five portraits on my arm in one setting. Now, what what was it particularly about Bub? I mean, it's it's one thing to like the character, but to actually have it tattooed on your arm. You know, you know, like for you, obviously that means you're a fan of the film, you're a fan of the character. But what what significance does the character hold to you that that you actually decided to get a tattoo of him on your arm? Yeah, unlike the other zombies, they were just mindless killing machines. He had a personality. You feel bad for him when they killed. Uh, they called him Doctor Frankenstein when they killed him. Right. He he was heartbroken, and that's just what I loved about it. He actually had a, a conscience. Now, let me ask you this, because it's something that he expanded upon in Land of the Dead. How did you feel about, I don't know if I want to say learning, but the zombies starting to remember their lives after a period of time? How did how do you feel like that, that changed the dynamic of how we viewed zombies at that point? Well, by that point, I feel that, that to me, I mean that in three of his films already. They didn't do it in Dawn. But in day and a night, because you got Bill Heinzman using the the brick to break open the window. Right. And they're outside, they're fishing in the grass, uh, worms using sticks. I mean, they know they could use tools to a basic sense. So I feel that land just kind of exp- expanded that a little bit. Okay. Well, you know, some of the other things that were really nice with this with this new release, they uh, there was a whole new documentary on there called World's End, Legacy of Day of the Dead. And the runtime was uh, about an hour and 25 minutes. And it was the majority of the main characters in the cast and several of the crew members, you know, talking about their experiences on the set, you know, how George viewed the film, Savini talking about the makeup, you know. And, you know, one of the commentaries, you know, that, that people discuss with the film you know, is, is how far society has broken down at that point and how how they start to turn on one another, 
you know, down there below the ground. You know, if if you look at it, you know, not that, that Rhodes and his men were sympathetic characters, but if you remember correctly, he is right when he states that the the whole operation and what's going on down there is a military you know, a, a military plan. You know, how how do you feel about how Rhodes' char- Rhodes character and the other army players or army guys were portrayed? You know, looking at how they were kind of pushed into the situation. I mean, I, I think they done. That's how it would have been if it was actually to happen. I mean, do you really feel like Rhodes was truly a villain in the film, or? Do you think the circumstances dictated his character? No, he was an asshole, but I think it's because <laughs> he was driven to that point. I agree. I, I, I would agree yeah, with he, that. Yeah, he's forced to be that asshole. It definitely would not be a situation I would want to be in. <laughs> but... um. Some of the other special features that came on the disc, there was a, a, a Wampum Mine promotional video that ran about eight minutes, and it was an old promotional video for the mines that they, you know, and the compound that they shot the film in. And it, it's just, it's funny to look at, you know, what it was used for was, you know, just a massive storage area, and how they basically like it looked like they hollowed out the side of a mountain, you know, and there were, you know, all these vehicles and things were in there. And, and they talk about how uh, in the documentary, how uh, you know they were on one side of the building, and the people that were working there were working on the other side, and just how cavernous this place was. You know, they talk about exploring the caves. Can, can you imagine, you know, as a member of the film set, wandering off set and getting lost in those caves? I mean, it, it, I mean, it was it was real locations. You weren't looking at sets when you were when you were watching that film. So I think that helped bring uh, a lot to the film as well. What did you think of the locations that they used? I think uh, I have the 2DS Special Edition released from Hubei a couple of years back, mm-hmm. and I've watched a, a few of those special features on it. And I think the whole set, the way it's the whole mind, the way it is, it kind of feels claustrophobic, even though it is underground and so vast. You still, you, where are you going? Right. Dude, there's really nowhere to run, even in all that vast space. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you running on that. away would may, maybe even make it worse. So that's what I liked about it too. He was still trapped. Yeah, you still had that isolation, even in all that space. Once again, we do have a Shout Screen Factory prize pack for giveaway this evening. Uh, first caller in at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine can claim that prize. But uh, back to the Blu-ray, um, we also had the audio commentary with uh, writer-director George Romero, special effects makeup uh, Tom Savini, production designer Cletus Anderson, and actress Lori Cardill. And then there was also a second commentary with filmmaker Roger Avery. Both of those were transported over from the earlier Blu-ray release, um, which you had mentioned earlier. Of course, we have the photo galleries. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this one, because a lot of times DVDs will just throw one trailer or maybe two trailers on, and with you being a trailer man, I'm sure you will appreciate this. Um, if I counted correctly, there were, uh, I believe there were seven or eight different trailers that they showed for Day of the Dead. 
You know, I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on that as a trailer kind of guy? Uh, I would love to get my hands on that now that I know that. And I mean, they're all different trailers. That 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 was really the nice part about it. I mean, they're not all they're not all the same thing. So, you know, it, it, I really yeah, feel like it was it was it, it was a nice addition. Um, you know, and and one of them, you know, a couple of them were looked like they were digitally restored. Especially they had the one where it's the zombie in the movie theater watching the movie, and the crowd notices them and they all flip out and run out and leave them alone in the theater. But I, I thought it looked really good. Um, and as far yeah, as that's, others, that's a great feature. It is. I mean, I you know, I wish more and more of them, you know, put more of the trailers. Um, one of their, I just re, uh, reviewed uh, Dark Angel. Not Dark Angel. Well, I did review Dark Angel. It was Scanners 2 and 3, and um, one of the things I was surprised at is that they didn't put the trailers for the films on there. Because I've always thought that was always you know, a nice addition to to anything that you get. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's a thumbs up. Like, if you could really have any real complaint about the film, it's that it looks too good, if, if that's even possible i can't believe i'm even saying that but it truly is worth two thumbs up um look for it in your stores um you can order it directly from shout screen factory at you know shoutfactory.com um i'm sure they're also available through itunes as well so definitely definitely one worth picking up it's the alternate artwork is nice for it as well. So if you're into the alternate artwork and things like that, it's it's definitely worth it. So, well, what are your thoughts on tonight's show, man? How, how did you feel about our guests? You know what they had to say. Like I, said, I'm, I really want to get more of your opinion on the Kickstarter thing because, like I said, with you looking to go that route, you know, I feel like some of these bigger name people are taking it away from indies and. And I think you're the perfect example to speak for that. I would definitely like to see your product out there. Yeah, but that's what it is they're taking away. When I go to Indiegogo, I'll just be bored randomly going through looking at movies or any project, really. And I'm sure other people do the same. And if they come across something with my name on it and then they go to the next page and it says Tom Savini, of course he's going to get money. Right. Because you'd be, you'd be an idiot between the two to pick him or to pick me over him. So I just feel like it's just taken away from the people that that was actually intended for. Right. Well, we're getting ready to wrap up our show here in a minute, but before we go, um, again, I want to thank our guests from um, Concept Media, you know, Sean and Ryan. Uh, I thought they were a great interview. Um, I really highly recommend checking out their films. Um, now, one of the films I did not get to view from them is Bludgeon, and I know you've seen Bludgeon. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Bludgeon before we head out? Uh, Bludgeon is a film. It's a, I think Sean said it was based on a bit of an urban legend or some sort of story from where he's from. But it's about uh, a string of murders take place in the 80s, a bunch of women go missing. Then we fast forward to now. This string of murders take place again. Don't really want to go any further than that to give away the twist before sure. you find out who the killer is. But it's uh, out of all the films I've seen, that's definitely the most brutal of all all his films. 
And that's what I like about concept media, with the, the exception of the sleep, the sleeping soul. They're kind of, they're kind of real. They're not monsters, ghosts, right. stuff like that. I mean, it's real. It's real people doing real things. Well, see, and, I, and you know, I'll be honest with you though. I enjoyed the sleeping soul. I enjoyed the twist in it. Um, yeah, I loved how the whole thing played out. It's it'll definitely pull at your emotions. It's it's one of those films, but it, I think it's really craftily done and something people should check out. So, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not slandering that movie at all. But as compared to the other ones, they are the other ones are way more real, more more just brutal and scary. Really, that's all you can really say about it. Well, once again, those of us from Horror Society, Mac and I, who you know have loved speaking with everyone this evening, we want to thank our friends from Concept Media for coming on. We also want to thank Kitsy Duncan for coming on. Um, Mac, once again, uh, tell people the name of your new feature column on Horror Society and what they can look forward to from you in the in the future here. That column is Black Tooth Trailer Trash, and it will just be a spotlight of various trailers, some you may have known, some that hopefully you've never even heard of before. And I'm also discussing some that are t- connected through actors, actresses, or even just stories stuff like that, uh, yeah, check it out definitely, I'm going to try to post on that daily if not I will definitely make up onto it the following day with multiple posts to the point where we'll probably be sick of it <laughs> and let's not forget everyone that in, you know, in addition to what else he does, just like me you know, Mac interviews, actors, actresses directors, if anyone wants to get in touch with Mac to have him interview them or to review their film, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? That would be to email me at blacktooth at com. Well, everyone, as we close out our evening, we are going to play a song from our spotlight artist next week. They're from Metal Blade Records as well. It's the Black Dahlia Murders. The song is Into the Everblack. So from Mac Brewer... The Dead Man and Horse Society. Rest in. <laughs> <laughs> 